Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And we're bringing you a special bonus episode today. Land Yap. Land Yap. Uh, I know, I need to get that down. But a Land Yap episode, of course, um, if you tuned into our last episode with Cindy Coffey and Arthur Johnson, we talked a lot about um, the ongoing impacts of Hurricane Laura and ways to support um, communities on the ground that will have a long road to recovery from this devastating storm. So we wanted to get a Lanyap episode in um, with a former and frequent guest and someone who literally has been working um, you know, day and night to help communities in coastal Louisiana recover from uh, Laura. So we're going to get to that interview in just a second. I'll let Simone tell you who it is. But first, I want to remind everyone where they can go to help support um, organizations that are doing work on the ground to help communities recover. So go to mississippiriverdelta.org slash Laura Relief. There's a number of organizations there that are providing um, you know, food and water and other resources to communities in Southwest Louisiana, as well as volunteer opportunities. So reminder, um, these people really need our help. It's a really devastating storm, the strongest storm since 1856 to hit Louisiana. Um, and even though the, you know, the national media and other attention may have kind of shifted away, um, the needs will linger for a long, long time. So please go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Laura Relief and do what you can to help. Um, and with that, I'll hand it over to Simone, who's going to steer us through this Lanyap episode and with our special guest. Thank you, Jacques. And um, you very well said that um, the eyes of the media may not be on us anymore, but the folks of Southwest Louisiana will need our help for a very long time after this. And so um, if you be directed to those resources um, where you could volunteer your time, you can volunteer goods, money, um, I think they're pretty much in need of almost anything these days. And so um, because of um, that event in Southwest Louisiana, we wanted to check in uh, with one of the people that were who was most intimately involved in the days leading up to the storm and certainly in the recovery process afterwards. And so um, while we usually make light of our avid listener being on the show, um, we are glad to have him, especially in the thick of things these days. So welcome to the show, Chip Klein. Thank you, Simone. It's good to be with you. So... Um, we want to get to Laura and, and Marco. I mean, people forget about that, right? But um, first, it's been a little while since we checked in with you. Um, let's switch um, disasters and, and talk about the pandemic. How are you doing? How is your family? Are your kids back in school? Doing fine. My, fa- my family is, uh, everyone is safe and healthy. Um, both of my kids uh, went back to school for a week and then they had off of school for a week because of, of the two storms um, that were that were headed right for Louisiana. And so they started back school again this week. So it's been a little bit of a, a roller coaster um, for for the Klein fam. But um, like you said in your lead in, Simone, um, I think some of the things that my family is, are experiencing are nothing Uh, compared to what the people in Southwest Louisiana are experiencing right now. So Chip, is is, um, CPRA fully back? Is is GOCA fully back? Y'all were running 
full staff, right? When, when this event happened or events happened. Well, so those of us that work within the governor's coastal office, we are all back. We have all of our, our staff back. We're back to a hundred percent. Um, of course we have just a small number, uh, here that work in the executive office. Um, it's about nine of us. Uh, and then CPRA, the, the implementation side, the actual agency is, is just over 60% um, back. Um, and so we, we've got people with, you know, that uh, have, have health concerns or, or high risk. And so we've been making accommodations for them to work from home. But um, it is, goes without saying that the, the coastal engine continues to churn. Uh, and we continue to pump out the projects um, that are restoring and protecting coastal Louisiana. So I couldn't be more proud of the staff within the governor's coastal office and the staff at CPRA, just the way that they've conducted themselves and continued um, to do the work that benefits all of South Louisiana. So Chip, let's let's get into the weeds. Um, last week was, you know, uh, just unprecedented. And how many times are we going to use that in 2020? But you had two storms that you were preparing for in one week. It was the 15th anniversary of Katrina. It's probably been about a year since Barry, right? That was last year, and that and that had um, impacts to our coast as well. So um, I want to talk through some of the days leading up to the storm and, and what happens. I think that um, I think our, our listeners would definitely benefit from this perspective that we don't get to hear too much about what happens leading up to the storm and, and how prepared you are. Um, we had Sydney Coffey, and you know Sydney really well on the show earlier this week to talk about uh, to talk about Katrina and to talk about her experience being in, in GOSEP and and just what a personal toll that that took on her. And and she used a word that that really struck me, and, and I know I've heard it from you before. She just said it was tense. I think the enormity of the situation and and um, what was going to be what is asked or what's going to be asked of you. So so talk us through how does CPRA prepare? This is what you prepare all year for, right? But tell us a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I think it's you know it's it's events like these, Simone, and a time like this that really serve as is the gut check for us as to really why we do this job and really what this mission is all about. Um, and so we talk a lot about restoring the coast from an environmental standpoint. Um, but this, this whole mission, this whole effort is really about protecting um, the people who live and work across South Louisiana and those people that call South Louisiana home. And so while I've had the opportunity to work um, a countless number of disasters from oil spills to high water events to individual hurricanes and, and tropical storms and, and have had the opportunity to work with the, the people over at the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. I have never quite had an experience like this where you literally had two storms heading directly for, you know, South Louisiana um, coming from different directions and we're going to hit different parts of our coast. And so, as you can imagine, as Sydney alluded to last week, the situation within GOSEP was quite tense. And I think emotions were running high. Adrenaline was absolutely elevated. Um, but, you know, it, it really just goes to show the quality of the people that we have within CPRA. And just watching those guys, the way that they 
they functioned, the way that they performed, the way that they delivered um, really just kept me going. And so anytime there is a storm or a hurricane that's coming towards our state, um, obviously GOSEP is activated. The Emergency Operations Center is activated where the governor is actually working from GOSEP. All of the relevant cabinet secretaries are there. And then each of the agencies are manning their individual stations. And so before a storm hits, we are we are assessing all of our flood control uh, structures um, to make sure that they are performing and, and operating as, as we need, need them to. Um, we are assessing all of the levees, all of the active construction sites that we have across South Louisiana to determine if there's any you know, emergency construction that needs to take place or demobilizing equipment and things of that nature, but then also looking at the low-lying areas across our coast where we need to start pre-positioning flood fighting assets. And so by some of the modeling that we developed over the last several years, we, we were able to determine, even going back in Hurricane Barry, which areas um, or specific levees that could potentially be overtopped where we would have to, you know, pre-position pumps, dewatering pumps or, or generators and things like that. So we try to do as much as we can on the front end to prepare for the storms based upon the surge models that, that we are uh, getting from the ADCERT models that we were run, but then also taking that information and we are in constant communication with the local parishes across coastal Louisiana. And so when we do these model runs and we can see, for example, that there's a predicted storm surge of, you know, anywhere from, from 12 to 15 feet in southwest Louisiana, we are obviously uh, on the phone with Cameron and Calcasieu officials saying, look, here's what our models are showing. These are, this is how it overlays with the, with the rainfall and some of the information that the National Weather Service um, puts out. So a lot of this time is just preparing people uh, of South Louisiana of the risk that they face and the risk that these storms bring um, to where we're not caught in, in a reactionary mode that we're doing everything on, on, on the front end to prepare um, for these storms. And so a lot of that is just engaging with local officials, um, levy districts, parish presidents, police jury uh, individuals. And so it's just a lot of work on the front end, but I couldn't agree more with what Sydney says, is that you know, the situation is tense, but it's also very personal, um, is that, look, we, we've got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into protecting coastal Louisiana. Um, and when you're looking at two storms that are heading directly for our state and the possibility of not only that just turning people's lives on their head, but also has the possibility of, of essentially wiping out a lot of the work that we've done up to this point, it's really kind of a, a gut check and a, and a sobering time, um, especially when you have two storms headed for us. So Sydney shared this incredibly personal experience that just gave me goosebumps, right? She was walking in the hall and, and she saw then Lieutenant Governor Mitch Landrew and he's just like, hey girl, how you doing? And Sydney said that was her moment. You know, she just, you know, you keep it together, you're doing all this stuff. And so, so um, you know, in lieu of a fun question, because we want to get down to real serious stuff here, but Chip, what what personally lifts you in moments like that when when you're I mean, I just imagine you guys locked in a bunker. I know you. You probably checked on every single person, you know, Lori Cormier, everybody in southwest Louisiana. You had to talk to other people. So so what what happens to you personally? What gets you through those situations? Well, I really appreciate um, the question, Simone, because 
you know, I think people forget that there are, you know, a countless number of individuals that are actually working in an emergency op center. And it takes an emotional toll on, on those individuals. So for me, you know, I just have a, a great group of friends, uh, Simone, that, um, you know, checked on me throughout the storm. And uh, I was recently blessed by one guy in particular. His name is Jason Romero. And I'll, I'll just say that everybody should have somebody like Jason Romero in their life. He, he actually asked me, I'm going to get really personal here, but he asked me to join a Bible study with a group of guys from um, Our Lady of Mercy. And um, that group of guys, I'll just tell you, they checked in on me every single day um, just to say, hey, hang in there. You've got this. We're thinking about you. Um, and that was just really uplifting. Uh, and, you know, that you were faced with all this doom and gloom scenarios of, of what the storm was going to bring. But knowing that you had a, a core group, a core support group that was there for you. So Jason Romero, Brad Bourgeois, Rob Tasman, Sean Toops, Kelly Walker. <laughs> Mark Vincent, Paul Laparuse, all those guys. Um, <laughs> I, I, I never, I don't think I've ever thought I was going to mention their names on a Delta Dispatches before, but those guys are. Well, um, now they'll have to listen and download the show. So. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, it's just it's just surrounding yourself with quality people like that that you know um, have your back in a time like that. Again, all kidding aside, um, it takes a tremendous amount of leadership. And, um, and to be able to face something like that and to know what's coming and to know how to prepare for that, but also that you have to stick around throughout it. Right. And, um, you are where you're supposed to be and you were supposed to be in that Bible study. Apparently you're also supposed to be in that bunker with your, um, animal crackers or whatever other kind of snacks that y'all have in there. So you're where you're supposed to be. So I, I do appreciate you, you sharing that very personal story. I mean, I think that's one thing that we wanted to talk about here is, is what you don't see in, in a glimpse into that. And, um, you know, you see these media stories and, um, we want to get to some of the projects and how they fared, but, but we can't, bypass the personal human aspect of, of what just happened um, to those on the ground and, and those in leadership positions. So thank you for sharing that. So you're obviously with a whole bunch of people just like you, Wildlife and Fisheries, GOSEP. I mean, y'all just must be a, a fine old machine at this point, clicking through things, right? We are. And, and look, and, and I don't, I don't want to leave out our federal partners either. Obviously, you've got all the relevant um, cabinet secretaries that work within uh, the administration on the state level. But look, we had uh, Colonel Murphy and Mark Wingate and the team from the New Orleans District Station uh, in GOSEP with us throughout the storm. We had representatives from FEMA and other federal agencies there. And just having, you know, the, the federal government's presence with within GOSEP, um, not only in, in the time leading up to the storm, but throughout the storm and then following the storm, um, there's just so many synergies there between the work that we do uh, within CPRA, some of the, the flood control structures that the Corps operates uh, on tracking water levels on, on the rivers and things like that. So we, it was just great to have not only, you know, other cabinet secretaries there, but having the federal government's presence there to where we could bounce ideas off of the Corps on, hey, what if we leave these flood control structures open 
throughout the storm? What, what does that do for getting water out faster? Because as you know, Simone, there's not a, there are not many flood control structures in southwest Louisiana. You don't see these massive hurricane protection systems like you see in southeast. So we knew that the flood control structures there in southwest Louisiana were likely going to be overwhelmed. You're talking about smaller you know, water control structures, marsh management structures that were going to be overtopped with the storm surge that was predicted. So working with Colonel Murphy and his team, and we were able to, to really kind of coordinate the operation of some of these flood control structures, which facilitated the water coming out of southwest Louisiana as quickly as we could get it out. Um, and so it's just a whole host of coordination, a whole bunch of, bunch of coordination that takes place um, you know, from starting at 7 a.m. all the way until, you know, sometimes 11 o'clock at night. And so there are meetings that the governor has with all of the, the relevant cabinet secretaries, all of the federal agencies where we have the opportunity to brief the governor on all of our activities. Uh, but when those meetings adjourn, um, then it's time to deploy. It's time to act. And um, that's why I think it's, it's just very um, beneficial and very productive for us to all be under one roof so that we're all, you know, in, in sync. Um, what did, in, what did in you preparation. Tell me here? Follow up, follow through? Yeah, so that's, that's, so one of the best pieces of advice, Simone, that I've ever been given in my professional career was actually by a U.S. Senator. She says, if you follow through and you follow up, you don't have anything to worry about. And so when you get a request from a local parish or a levy district, you follow through on what they're asking for. You deliver, but then you also follow up to ensure that what, you know, you sent down there actually arrived. And so if you're following through on the request and you're following up um, to ensure that, you know, whatever it may be, a pump or a generator or uh, demobilization of equipment and things like that, um, I think that that mindset serves you well. So follow through, follow up is, is how we operate uh, at CPRE. So you mentioned this a uh, different part of the coast, right? Different problems, right? Um, but I also wanted to shout out. I, I saw I think the new Vicksburg commander happened to be in town. This was this was her time of year to be in town. Talk about like baptism by fire, right? Like welcome. Welcome to the Vicksburg district. <laughs> this that is was, what you have to deal with, right? That's right. Well, that was Major General uh, Diana Holland, and she spent, I think, a couple days with us at GOSEP, and then she was uh, actually went down to New Orleans. She was actually on the helicopter um, with the governor and me after when we went to, um, to tour um, southwest Louisiana after the storm. But, um, look, she is, um, Major General Holland is, is no stranger to natural disasters. She was actually on the East Coast, I believe, during Hurricane Sandy. Um, so she is, um, she is well-versed and uh, like a well-oiled machine, um, as is the, the entire Corps of Engineers, New Orleans District, uh, when it comes to prepar preparing for storms and then um, responding in the immediate aftermath. So, Chip, let's, let's talk about that helicopter ride. Um, just... I mean, I think it goes, you know, it's just catastrophic damage, wind damage, right? Not not the water, not the surge, maybe that you thought of, but just catastrophic wind damage. Tell us about that helicopter ride. Tell us what you saw. Tell us good and bad. Well, I think, you know, in in the days and the hours leading up to the storm, you know, you heard this this term that was used by the National Weather Service was an unsurvivable storm surge. 
And so, you know, that is that was I'll never forget that moment when I heard the National Weather Service, uh, Ben Schott is the guy's name who, who said that. And I think the room you could have you could hear crickets in the room when, when that was said. And so I think for us, when we got on the helicopter, we were expecting to see, you know, extensive flooding all the way from the coast uh, up to I-10 in, in Calcasieu Parish. And one of the first things that, that struck me personally was there, there is no water on the landscape, that it is all it was all attributed to wind. Um, and when you're talking about 150, 160 mile per hour winds, you're talking about widespread, extensive damage. Um, and so you, you literally had houses that were swept off of its foundation from from that wind. And so you when we when we first got into Calcasieu Parish, you could start seeing debris on the ground in the outer parts of, of, of the parish. But when you got into the city of Lake Charles, you know, this this booming, vibrant city of South Louisiana, and it was just it was like a desolate ghost town, just debris scattered everywhere as far as the eye could see on top of, you know, a chemical fire um, at, at the chemical plant there, you know, on top of a major oil rig that had floated its way from the Gulf of Mexico into the Calcasieu ship channel on top of a casino that had lodged, you know, under the bridge there in Lake Charles. It was just, it was, you can't put it into words. And so I think the surprising thing for us is we were expecting, you know, extensive flooding, water throughout the landscape, and it was it was largely attributed to wind. Now, I will say when you got into Cameron Parish, you did see um, some water um, on the, of the southern portion of, of that parish, but it wasn't to, you know, 15 to seven feet, 17 feet of surge. I mean, it, we're talking about water in Cameron, Louisiana, and Creole, and Rockefeller Refuge and, and things like that. But even um, some of the elevated structures um, that are 15 to 17 feet off the ground, you could just tell from the wind damage that was experienced in that area. It's it, These guys are going to have a long, long road to recovery. Um, you know, Wendell Curall always says, if you've been through one hurricane, you've been through one hurricane. I mean, they're all very different, right? <clears throat> and I, I can certainly appreciate and understand the sentiment sentiment of we experienced hurricanes and from where I'm from and in Terrebonne, but even here in New Orleans that they're flooding events. They're not they're not like that. So it's a little different to see the the damage be wind driven like that. But I mean, you know, there's no real protection against something like that, right? Somebody somebody described it as a 40 mile um, tornado, right? Or or something like that. So I want to talk about um, I want to talk about like the other part of the coast, right? Because Terrebonne was concerned about, you know, we had not done very well through Rita, to say the very least. And so I want to talk about how that um, a, a storm like Laura affects the whole coast. But can you tell us what coastal challenges that you're facing today in southwest Louisiana? What what kept you up last night and what will keep you up tonight about, about the coast, um, you know, other things aside uh, for Southwest Louisiana? Well, I think, you know, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier in, in the conversation, Simone, is, is what really kept me up um, prior to the storm is that the only thing between the Gulf of Mexico and the city of Lake Charles is marsh or, or wetlands. 
And so it's a completely different ball game when you're talking about a Cat 3, Cat 4 hurricane heading for southwest Louisiana as opposed to southeast Louisiana. Because in a way, we at CPRA felt somewhat helpless um, because in southeast Louisiana, you're closing these massive floodgates, you're closing these surge barriers, you're operating pumps. And so what kept us up prior to the storm was really, I hate to say a wait and see, but we just didn't know what, what the storm was going to bring. And so once we realized that it was majority wind on Southwest and we had to look and say, okay, well, where is, where did the storm surge most heavily impact a particular area? And so when we flew over, we saw that the town of Cameron, which is east of the Calcasieu Salinity Control, uh, excuse me, the, the Calcasieu Ship Channel w- was heavily, heavily impacted. And so what we're trying to do right now is we are literally having to cut levees, smaller levees that are that are in southwest Louisiana to allow for that water to drain um, from the Mermentau Basin. It's salt um, water, and, right? Is it salt water? It yes. is. It is. So well, when you're talking about, you know, cutting levees, you're talking about this amphibious machinery that you need to get out there. You've got interstates that are clogged. You still got water on the landscape. And so... Getting that type of heavy equipment down to south, um, southwest Louisiana in the coastal um, areas has been a challenge. And so what we're hoping to do is cut those levees, allow for that water to to drain, which will allow for those coastal residents that live in southern portions of Cameron Parish um, to, to get back to their homes so they can assess their damages. Now, in southeast Louisiana, obviously, uh, we were very concerned about the levee in, in Grand Isle which experienced significant damage during uh, Tropical Storm Cristobal. Um, and so we were able to deploy some, some jumbo sand sacks to, to place in front of that exposed burrito tube on the western end of the island there. And um, the levee did experience some, some more damage, but I think that those sandbags served their purpose. Um, I think it would have been a lot worse. There was, there was fear of that, that major burrito tube underneath the levee from it literally eroding out uh, and scouring out to where it could literally sever the levee in the Gulf of Mexico would then enter into uh, the town of Grand Isle. And so those were some concerns. Additionally, you know, there were some areas in Terrebonne Parish reached K of the Morganza to the Gulf system, reached J uh, of Morganza to the Gulf. Uh, obviously, we were damaged during Hurricane Barry. Uh, we did some emergency work to uh, repair those jobs. But anytime that you either have an active construction site that's not complete uh, or did an emergency repair job to, you know, hope for the best. Obviously, those are the areas that are going to give you most concern during a storm like Marco or, or Laura. Are you getting, is Grand Isle getting fixed? Yeah, y'all are working on, like, y'all were already working to get Grand Isle fixed with, not without controversy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, tell us how the status of Grand Isle's repairs. Tell us about so that. There, so there is a, an emergency. Um, it's not even an emergency. It's an authorization, federal authorization that are on the books with a $15 billion appropriation from the federal government. We have a cost share in that uh, to permanently fix um, that levy. And so there have been some delays by the Corps in getting out there. So we, as CPRA, kind of grabbed the bull by the horns, and we're going to take um, the issue and, and fix the, the, the problem on our own. And so 
we couldn't get out there to do the permanent fix before the storm hit. So we did a temporary repair. Um, but now we have bids that are actually on the street uh, right now as we speak. Those, that solicitation will be closing today. We hope to have a contract awarded by the end of the week to where we can actually get out there with a dredge, pump the sand from Caminata Pass uh, to permanently repair um, that portion of levee. And so there, there is a portion of segmented breakwaters that have been completed, which absolutely served their purpose. We actually have video from Grand Isle Mayor Carmardale to show how those rocks broke, broke up that storm surge. But look, we're, we're still not through uh, the peak of hurricane season just yet. And so we need to be doing every single thing we can as quickly as we can to address these problematic areas on levees throughout South Louisiana. Yeah, we did get some reports from our friends close to Port Fouchon, right? Obviously, the road was closed for a very long time, but some of the active construction projects that were planned for the area seemed to hold up well. Um, they were already remobilizing to West Bell Pass, and uh, Caminata Back Barrier had been, um, they, they think that held up well. And so that's good news in terms of moving forward, right? These, these jobs, I mean, these projects, don't just mean environmental restoration. They, they also bring jobs and put people back to work on these jobs. And so that's good news as well. So um, you mentioned this about, you mentioned about equipment getting to where they need to be. Do, do you have any concerns about that being a long-term concern of yours about contractor availability or, you know, logistical things like that? Do y'all have some concerns about all the work that will happen in Southwest Louisiana um, and how that might impact other work? I don't think so. Not from not from the type of projects that we're implementing. Um, I mean, you're largely talking about an emergency response. Um, things right now with with supplies and, and utilities and, and restoring power and, and deploying generators and things like that. So, you know, from a rebuilding standpoint, you know, obviously the the residential contractors are a little bit different than the contractors that we deploy on restoration type projects through either through dredging or or um, some of the you know water quality type projects so no no concerns right now on on the implementation as far as contractor availability well we don't want to take up too much more of your time chip we appreciate your candidness and your honesty and and the uh, just terribly interesting perspective about what happens um, in preparation for a storm and, and certainly what happens afterwards. Uh, I do want to end on a positive note and ask you, what are you, what are you looking forward to at the end of the year? Um, <laughs> I know it sounds even silly to ask you, but we have to end this positively. Do you hear me? <laughs> well, well, I'm looking forward to 2020 being over. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Uh, but look, I think I will end on a positive note. I'll, I'll say this: when we when we flew over uh, Southwest Louisiana with the governor, um, I was I was really amazed at how well some of the restoration projects that we built in Southwest Louisiana held up. From the from the Car Cameron Parish Beach Headland project to the uh, segmented breakwaters to even some of the terracing projects and marsh creation projects. So we know that for every you know two miles of wetlands, a storm surge is knocked down by a foot. And so I think by us restoring uh, close to six square miles, close to 4,000 acres of land in Southwest Louisiana, undoubtedly um, knocked down that storm surge and served as a, as a protection for some of the more populated areas in, in Southwest Louisiana. But looking forward, look, Simone, we have a lot of big time projects that are in construction this year. You mentioned some of the Barrier Island projects with 
with West Bell Pass. Obviously, we've got um, West Grand Terre that's going to be con- going to construction soon, Trinity, Timbalier. If you look at some of these large-scale marsh creation projects in Spanish Pass, Ridge Restoration in, in Plaquemines Parish through the Barataria Marsh Creation Projects, you've got big-time projects that are going to construction this year that will literally be game-changers for, for coastal Louisiana. So I'm just, I'm just looking forward to continuing to deliver. Um, no more surprises? <laughs> no, I hope, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know which more, how much more we can take, but uh, you have look, a birthday people, coming up in the next month or two. Maybe you'll have some birthday surprises. <laughs> That'll be the only surprises you can expect. So, well, thank you, Chip Klein, for being on the show, for taking your time with us. Um, but most importantly, thank you for your leadership on this issue. Um, the hard work and dedication of the folks in the governor's office of coastal activities is a direct reflection of you. And certainly the fact that CPRA is just clicking on all cylinders has as much to do with you as anything else. So thank you for providing that leadership and, and kind of probably being the calm during the storm sometimes, you know, so I, I appreciate that. Um, we want to share a coastal voice uh, from Cameron, Louisiana. Um, Brenda from Cameron says, I support the coast because I know how much the coast it means to the survival of both birds and humans. I have witnessed how fast we are losing this beautiful place. Louisiana is where I was born and raised, and to see it washing away is heartbreaking. Officials, beware. More and more of us are watching. So thank you, Brenda and Cameron. I hope Brenda, wherever she is, is, is doing well. I also wanted to share a coastal stat of the week that I thought was pretty amazing in terms of law response. Um, As of Tuesday, the Louisiana National Guard has distributed 767,000 meals, 1,343,000 liters of water, 107,000 pounds of ice, and 19,000 tarps to the citizens of Louisiana since the landfall of Laura. So we thank Louisiana National Guard for their service and for their work during these times of disaster. I want to bring in my partner in crime back to the show, Jacques. Thank you for letting me drive that interview, Jacques. Um, but you have probably one of the more important roles of this show is to remind folks of how they can help. Absolutely, yeah. And what a great um, you know interview and just insight into uh, you know the issues of response in a time like that. So huge shout out to the folks at. Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority at, um, you know, GOSEP and everywhere else that, that have been working so hard to respond to, you know, not one, but two storms in the Gulf and, of course, the devastation of Hurricane Laura. But, you know, a reminder that you, too, can have a part in this response and relief and help our neighbors in southwest Louisiana. Um, please go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Laura, Laura Relief to see what organizations um, you can help contribute to, to help them support the people in Southwest Louisiana. So there's a great need for water, a great need for tarps, a great need for food and just so many different things. And these organizations, right? Exactly. And, and people to volunteer. So these organizations are providing that. Um, so if you go to Mississippi river, Delta.org slash hurricane, uh, relief, Mississippi river, Delta.org slash Laura relief, sorry. Um, you can find that information. So thanks again. And we hope you, um, got a lot of information from this bonus lanyard episode, and we'll be back next time on Delta Dispatches. See you later, alligators. Bye.